Hey, everybody. It is Monday, July 17th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Moshe Wanunu. And I am Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill, it is so good seeing you just a couple hours after I saw you already <laughs> this weekend. Yes, we had your your wife, Alex's baby shower um, on Sunday, and it was so nice. She and her family put together a, such a great event, as I knew that they would. Yes, you literally got to see what I ate this weekend, uh, which was a lot. <laughs> it's good. good Me potpourri. too, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yes, we both enjoyed uh, many great appetizers. Uh, entrees, desserts, etc. And we got a lot of nice gifts, including Jill, a bunch of baby books, including several baby books related to the news and famous female journalists. So I'm very excited to be able to read those to uh, who we're calling Baby O these days when she arrives. <laughs> well, we will look forward to a name. Um, and as I said on Friday, I'll meet you at the dessert table. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to some news here. After more than a decade, a suspect has been charged in the murders of at least three women on Long Island in a cold case that had captured the national spotlight. Some good news in Alabama. A woman who is missing has returned home. On to politics. Some trouble for the two-month-old Ron DeSantis campaign. What is going on there? Plus, overseas record heat hits Europe. We're talking almost 120 degrees in Italy as the southern U.S. also faces a new heat wave. History made at Wimbledon. On the men's side, a 20-year-old beat the 23-time Grand Slam champ Novak Djokovic in a five set match. And some history made on the women's side as well that we'll tell you about. All right, feeling lucky? The Powerball has jumped nearly a billion dollars after no jackpot winners this weekend. And it appears Americans are falling out of love with ice cream, which means that clearly no one has consulted with Mosh on this story. Jill, more for me. <laughs> Though I will say that I'm going to have some trouble uh, trying to remain nonpartisan and uh, unbiased when we report out this story later in the podcast. And Mosh has on the same history. Mom, the meatloaf. The meatloaf. <laughs> you know my clue? Wedding crashers? You may be right, Jill. You might be right. <laughs> on this day in history, we'll have more on that film and some other history at the end of the pod. All right, let's get started. A Long Island architect was charged Friday with murder in the deaths of three of the 11 victims in a long, unsolved string of killings known as the Gilgo Beach Murders on Long Island, New York. It came after detectives pursued a new lead after more than a decade saying that they matched DNA from a pizza the alleged killer ate to genetic material that was found on the women's remains. Rex Hewerman, who has lived for decades across a bay from where the remains were found, has been charged with killing three women. He is also considered the prime suspect in the death of a fourth woman whose body was bound and hidden in thick underbrush along a remote beach highway. This caps off an investigation that started in 2010. That's when the disappearance of a 23-year-old Shannon Gilbert exposed a larger mystery when investigators found the remains of 10 more bodies all within walking distance of each other. Later in 2010, police also discovered the remains of 24-year-old Melissa Bartholomew while searching for Gilbert. Days later, investigators discovered the remains of three additional victims, Maureen Barnes, Amber Costello, and Megan Waterman. The women were all wrapped in camouflaged burlap and buried within a quarter mile of each other. They became known as the Gilgo Four. Each of these women worked as escorts who advertised their services on Craigslist. 
Later, police discovered the remains of six additional people, including an Asian male and a female toddler. At this point, police not connecting those other victims with the Gilgo Four. As for the suspect, the 59-year-old Rex Hewerman is married. He's a father of two. He runs a respected Fifth Avenue architect firm in Manhattan and lives just 15 miles from Gilgo Beach. He was taken into custody without bail on Friday. He told his attorney he is not the killer. He entered a not guilty plea. His next court date is scheduled for August 1st. Mosh, back in 2011, authorities had put together a profile of the type of person that they thought could be the killer. And it's eerily on point. At the time, they said the killer was probably a white man in his mid-20s to mid-40s, married or had a girlfriend, well-educated, well-spoken, financially secure, owning an expensive car or truck, and living near where the bodies were found. Yeah, Jill, I know that you were reporting out on Long Island uh, during that time and covered this case very closely. And so the question for many people uh, in the past few days was, how did they find him after all this time? Because it felt like the uh, trail went dark. So these murders happened in 2010, 2011. Fast forward to January 2022. That's when Suffolk County prosecutors in New York assembled a team of investigators, analysts, local police, and FBI to resurrect the case. And that's when authorities identified Hewerman as a suspect and for the next year and a half began watching and surveilling him as they built a trail of evidence. So they put together that group after the case had gone cold after many, many years. Just two months into those meetings, in March of 2022, just March of last year, detectives linked Hewerman to a Chevy Avalanche pickup truck registered to him at the time of the murders. That was similar to one reportedly seen by a witness when one of the victims, Amber Costello, disappeared back in 2010. So they had the car. And by the way, goes to the profile, right? Owned a luxury car. So they start to follow him. And they start to develop more circumstantial evidence over time. Hewerman apparently used burner phones to contact three women he suspected of killing during the time uh, that they were reported missing. Investigators say that he used one of the victim's phones to make taunting phone calls to family members, allegedly using another cell phone to check her voicemails. Well, they started to triangulate data and found that his personal cell phone was pinging to the same towers as the burner cell phones. So the evidence starts to build here. He apparently also maintained several email accounts, which he created under pseudonyms to search for sex workers. He apparently, Jill, and we see this a lot with these criminals, made 200 Google searches about the Gilgo Beach murders. So they start to see all the Google interest, all the Google searches he has about this investigation, about the disappearance of the women. And also he apparently compulsively kept track of the victim's family members online via Google searches that they found. Separate from that, he made thousands of explicit Google searches, including child pornography. So they start to build this over 2022 into early 2023. In early 2023, pizza crust effectively cracks the puzzle, as you mentioned. On January 26th of this year, they saw him throw away a pizza box into a trash can in Midtown Manhattan. They then picked that up, and a DNA swab from the leftover crust found Hewerman's DNA was a match to the male hair found on one of the victim's bodies. They then continue to track him, but then they find that he was recently, Jill, buying new burner phones. He was a registered gun owner. Uh, they were watching his Google searches, and they were very concerned that he might hurt someone again. And so then they went in for the arrest 
last week. Jill, we were corresponding about this on Friday when the developments unfolded, and uh, you were talking in depth about all the uh, things you discovered while you were reporting on this back on Long Island in 2010, 2011. Yeah, I was a nightside reporter um, in 2010 and 2011 when police first discovered those bodies. And it was almost unreal. It felt like every other night police had found more remains belonging to different people. And at the time I had interviewed the family of many of these victims. So for their sake, Um, I'm really happy that a suspect has been named. Perhaps they could finally get some type of closure here. And, you know, kudos to just good old-fashioned police work. As you described in Suffolk County, uh, they put together this new task force to take a new look at the case with fresh eyes. And it was using technology that wasn't available a decade ago, from the DNA testing also to some of that cell phone technology that they were really able to hone in on the suspect here. Jill, and it's only the latest in one of these crime stories that uh, got revived interest from a documentary. There was a film put together uh, that aired on Netflix uh, that revealed how the top cop at the time was bungling the investigation. So this is a documentary, uh, again, called Lost Girls into the Gilgo Beach murders. And that revived a lot of interest here. So there were a number of people writing into Mo News over the weekend saying, you know, oh my God, I just watched that on Netflix. I can't believe that they finally were able to solve this. Yeah. And and in the absence of an actual suspect, a lot of people were thinking, is the Suffolk police involved? Is somebody, you know, all sorts of conspiracy theories started to to float around. Uh, So it is good, again, that there is a suspect, at least related to the Gilgo Four. Uh, There are still the bodies of, of six other victims, uh, where at this point there is not a suspect that has been named. It does go to show you, though, that if they invest in good police work, they put together this whole team of of detectives, FBI, etc., uh, you know, you, you can solve these. Unfortunately, there's just so many crimes out there that just for lack of resources, law enforcement uh, effectively uh, isn't able to solve because they just don't have enough people, time, and money uh, to be able to solve these crimes. And now to some good news from Alabama. The woman who went missing late Thursday night off of an interstate and sparked a lot of interest on social media was found late Saturday. Carly Russell is a 25-year-old nursing student. She returned alone to the home where she lives with her parents just before 11 p.m. on Saturday. She was having trouble breathing and was taken to a hospital shortly after. She was released Sunday morning. Police say they will try to piece together what happened in the two days that she was missing. This whole ordeal started on Thursday when family members said that Russell left a spa where she had worked part-time and then picked up food on the way home. She had called 911 at about 9.34 p.m. She said she saw a male toddler in a diaper walking alone on the side of I-459. After calling 911, Russell stopped to check on the child and called a family member. The family member then lost contact with her, but the line remained open and they just heard cars driving by. Officers later located Russell's car. It was still running, but it was empty. Some of her belongings were nearby. Police were unable to find her or a child in the area. Police in that area of Hoover had not received any other calls of someone missing a small child. So then the search was on for two days. It got a lot of media attention, Chill. Uh, I know immediately early Friday morning, we were already getting messages from people saying, you know, please make folks aware of this case, this woman who went to go look after a child. Uh, is missing now. So there were a lot of posts about it over the weekend. And then suddenly, Saturday night, just before 11 p.m. local, she pops up at home. 
So what happened? We don't quite know yet. Uh, the police say it won't be a quick process. The important thing is that Russell is home and safe. Their goal right now is to find out what happened in those 48 or so hours uh, when she disappeared about a mile from her house. Uh, the police chief there saying, we don't have to move quickly. Our priority was to get her home. So we'll investigate and do what we have to do. Jill, there's no word yet on the child itself, uh, the whereabouts of the child. Uh, and the family put out a statement on Facebook, but didn't go into detail as to what happened over those 48 hours. All we know, again, is that she was dropped off or somehow made it to her parents' subdivision and then walked up to the house and knocked on her parents' door uh, 48 hours after she went missing. So we'll stay on top of this because it certainly is leading to a whole variety of theories out there, but it is nice to be able to report on one of these stories where the uh, victim is home safe. Okay, now let's get to our sponsors this week, starting with Bowl and Branch. We often talk on this podcast about all the forever chemicals and bad stuff that's in our food and drinking water. But did you know that most bedding is actually made with harsh chemicals like formaldehyde, synthetic pesticides, and toxic dyes? I, for one, did not. We do learn new things on this podcast every day. Well, Bowl and Branch is uh, doing it better without all those chemicals. Bowl and Branch makes luxury sheets without any toxins or harsh chemicals. They use 100% organic cotton. Their sheets get softer with every wash. Most you and I both have Bowl and Branch sheets, and I could tell you that is really true. I remember when you first said that, that they get softer the more you wash them, and I thought, Okay, sure. Uh, but I can attest that they actually do. Also, with this hot weather, they're breathable and perfect for the heat. They are loved by millions of sleepers. They come in 10 colors in all sizes. And uh, best of all, Bowling Branch offers a 30-night worry-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all U.S. orders. Right now, for the Mo News community, you could shop their annual summer event. Use the code MONEWS to get 20% off today at BowlingBranch.com. That is Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code is MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S. Exclusions do apply, so see the site for details. All right, we also want to thank one of our longtime sponsors, Athletic Greens, as well this week. We're always talking about health trends, food trends, how hard it is to get all your nutrients these days. Well, one way to get all the important ones is through Athletic Greens AG1 powder. I first tried AG1 last year when I was having trouble getting all my nutrients, Jill. I had vitamins I took in the morning, some in the afternoon, some in the evening. Well, AG1 simplifies all of that. It's just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It's easy, it's quick, it lets you get on with your day knowing that you've gotten over 75 important ingredients, tons of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics to support your digestion and gut health. And right now they have a special deal for the Mo News community with your first purchase of AG1. Athletic Greens is offering all of you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. You can visit drinkag1.com slash Mo News. That is drinkag, the number one, dot com slash mo news to take advantage of the offer it's an opportunity for you to really start to take ownership over your health all right time now for the speed read some 2024 politics via politico governor ron DeSantis of florida has started to cut campaign staff just months into his presidential bid it comes as he has struggled to gain traction in the republican primary 
and lost ground in some public polls to former President Trump. It appears that he has let go about a dozen staffers as the campaign reorganizes. Sources involved with the DeSantis campaign say there is an internal assessment that it hired too many staffers too early, despite having brought in $20 million in fundraising during its first six weeks. It was becoming clear that costs needed to be brought down. Some in DeSantis's circle lay the early blame at the feet of campaign manager Janera Peck, who also led DeSantis's 2022 midterm reelection bid and is in the hot seat right now. So, Jill, this comes at a time when a number of major donors who had expressed interest in DeSantis have grown concerned about his performance, concerned he isn't gaining traction with voters now that he's finally out on the trail, that his likability numbers go down as Republicans in some of the early states get to know him. Now, it is, we should note, very early. Uh, And you'll often see these types of stories, and we'll bring them to you, but we'll bring them to you with context uh, throughout the campaign cycle. Uh, There are a number of candidates uh, over time who've had to reset their campaigns, uh, especially if they feel like they're not able to gain traction with voters. So you see here a situation with DeSantis, who came in blazing, uh, but the numbers haven't grown as quickly as some would like. And of course, he came in with a very large campaign staff, so it appears they're hitting reset on that as well. Uh, one notable poll, by the way, is that even in Florida, which reelected DeSantis by nearly 20% last uh, fall, Trump now has a 20-point lead over him in the Republican primary, and Florida is going to wow. be a key state that DeSantis will depend on. Now, one thing to keep in mind about DeSantis is that he's had different campaign teams for every single run he's made, for his three runs in Congress, for his run for governor in 2018, for his run for governor in 2022. So uh, he's known to uh, be churning through staff. Uh, Notably, there is still a lot of money behind him. The Never Back Down Super PAC, that's the independent super PAC that's supporting DeSantis, says it'll spend up to $200 million to boost his White House bid. And so there's still a lot of money behind him, a lot of big donors, a lot of traction. When you look at all the early state polls, he's effectively in second place behind Trump. But it appears there is a slight reset here happening within his campaign, Jill. Uh, And one thing that we should all be looking to next month, the first debates between the Republican candidates. Right now, it's still up in the air as to whether Trump will show up. But nevertheless, uh, many voters will get their first big chance to see DeSantis in the format of a debate. Uh, And so that could be uh, key as he is looking to build traction here. And what's notable about him, Jill, is that as you start to figure out how each of the GOP candidates are trying to carve out what's left of the GOP electorate once you put Trump aside, DeSantis has tried to move to Trump's right, which has been interesting uh, to see whether there's space for him there. But some critics are saying, and this includes some people who donated to him, saying, how does he run in a general election against Biden if he's going to the right of Trump in a GOP primary? So those are among the many questions that uh, don't have answers yet, as we're still about six months out from the first votes being cast in Iowa and New Hampshire. From the Financial Times, a record heat wave in Europe will continue this week. Temperatures are expected to hit record highs in Italy. As much of Southern Europe bakes in an intense heat wave that has driven authorities to mobilize medical facilities for the most vulnerable and warn people not to go outside. Thermometers are rising towards 105 degrees across much of Italy, Spain, parts of France, Greece, and the Balkans. Meteorologists predict that in Rome, temperatures on Tuesday could hit an all-time high for the city of 111 degrees. While on the island of Sardinia, the mercury projected to touch 118 
The Italian weather forecasting agency said the heat wave had no precedent in terms of its intensity, duration, and spread. Yeah, Jill, they actually had to shut down the Acropolis a couple times uh, in the last week in Greece because it was so hot and they were concerned about people walking about there. They were passing out water, uh, making sure that uh, there were no issues there. There were a couple heat-related deaths for people who have to work outside, including a construction worker in Southern Europe, so that's a concern. But what we're seeing in Europe right now is a global trend, and that is concerned some meteorologists. The U.S., Europe, China, all seeing extreme heat a recent estimate for last year's heat wave found that uh, nearly 62,000 people across Europe died related to the heat, including 18,000 in Italy last year. As I mentioned, China also seeing extreme heat right now. The country broke a new record uh, as one city hit 126 degrees uh, last week. That beats an old record by three degrees, which is significant. You know, typically you see a record broken by just slightly one degree. The fact that a record is being broken by three degrees is concerning uh, climate experts and meteorologists. The extreme heat is even taking effect down in Australia, where it's winter right now, and Sydney is seeing unseasonably warm weather. Right now, it's a combination. This is an El Nino year. We have a couple years of El Nino ahead, probably. And El Nino is one of those cycles that we see every so often that leads to more extreme heat. But that now combined with climate change is leading to these record-breaking numbers. Here in the U.S., as we've been reporting, tens of millions of Americans remain under heat-related weather alerts. Uh, those of you in Texas, sorry, you'll continue baking this week, as well as those of you in the Southwest. Heat warnings were put in place for much of California, Nevada, Utah, Arizona. But even in the Northeast, Jill, it got pretty warm this weekend. Not as warm as the Southwest, but it did lead to country star Jason Aldean uh, cutting short a concert because he wasn't doing well because of the heat. He said he was suffering from a combination of dehydration and heat exhaustion, which forced him to cut his show short in Connecticut this weekend, which is a reminder to us all, you know, keep your fluids, uh, limit your time outside if you can. Dehydration is a literal killer. So uh, make sure you're drinking as much as you can and getting shade when possible. All right, from CNN, we have our winners at Wimbledon. World number one, Carlos Alcaraz beating the reigning champ, Novak Djokovic, in a thrilling five-set men's final on Sunday. It is his first Wimbledon title. The Spaniard prevailed after nearly five hours on center court, eventually winning 1-6, 7-6, 6-1, 3-6, 6-4. A lot of back and forth there. Yeah. (laughs) He fell onto the grass in celebration before volleying a tennis ball into the crowd. The 20-year-old becomes the third youngest Wimbledon champ and adds a second major title to his resume after winning the U.S. Open last year. Seven-time Wimbledon champ Djokovic, who is now 36 years old, broke down in tears on the court afterwards as he addressed his children who watched the final from the player's box. Jill, it was a star-studded Wimbledon. You had Brad Pitt there. You had uh, Kate Middleton, princess. You also had Ariana Grande in the crowd, uh, Idris Elba. So a lot of of high-profile people taking in the action. So that was the history made over on the men's side, over on the women's side, some history made as well. Many of you may have never heard of the following name, Marketa Vandrusova of the Czech Republic. She's a 24-year-old tennis player who came in unseated, and she's the first unseated player to win Wimbledon. On Saturday, she beat Ons Jabour, the heavy favorite from Tunisia in straight sets. 
And based on her reaction, she stunned even herself, her family, her friends, the whole tennis world in the process. Jill, I mentioned she's from the Czech Republic. And despite the fact the country only has about 10 million people, it has become a women's tennis factory unlike anything else in the sport right now. Right now, there are eight Czech women in the top 50. Most of them, like Vondrosova, are in their mid-20s and younger, uh, really kind of continuing the tradition here of one famous Czech player who many of you may have heard of, Martina Navratilova. So uh, look out for Vondrusova after that big win this weekend. It gets me very excited for the U.S. Open, I have to say. All right, from CNBC, another Powerball drawing ended with no winner Saturday night, sending the jackpot soaring to an estimated $900 million. Ticket buyers for tonight's drawing have a chance at either $900 million paid out in yearly increments or a lump sum of $465.1 million. Uh, that is before taxes. The top prize is the third biggest Powerball jackpot and the seventh largest in U.S. lotto history. Yeah, that $465.1 million, thank you for that. Uh, still pretty good after taxes, Jill. I think the person will take home about $200 million from that. So good luck to all of you who play tonight. While there was no jackpot winner over the weekend, Powerball did say that three tickets matched all five white balls, which means three uh, winning tickets got to take home $1 million prizes over the weekend. Now, for those of you who play, you know that the jackpot will keep growing until someone wins. The odds, again, are 1 in 292.2 million. They're designed to build these big prizes. Uh, as this now builds towards a billion, keep in mind the largest Powerball jackpot in history was just over $2 billion last November. CNN Business, America's age-old love affair with ice cream, appears to be winding down. I almost can't say that. Jill, this is like fake news. What are you bringing the fake news into the podcast for? (laughs) To the... (laughs) Most, you really are the biggest ice cream lover. Anyone who follows your Instagram, uh, you and Alex would know. I I try my best to report things in a very straightforward, objective manner, Jill, but I'm going to have a lot of trouble in this story because I think the premise is flawed. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Jill and I will like split the writing and the choosing of stories during the week. And on Sundays, I typically write it. And as I'm finishing, suddenly, like I see appearing in our script, this ice cream story. And I was like, what is this nonsense? But if this is what people are talking about, let's discuss it. Well, you're an expert here. So that is why right. I decided that we, that we had to include. So Jill, tell me, tell me more about this CNN story. Okay, so apparently consumption of regular dairy ice cream, which does not include frozen yogurt, sherbet, or non- and low-fat ice creams, has been falling for years. Don't blame CNN. Don't blame me. Mosh, this is according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. What do they know? (laughs) In 1986, the average American ate 18 pounds of regular ice cream, according to the USDA, Sounds about right. But by 2021, the most recent year of data that was down a third to just 12 pounds per person, analysts suspect it is health that is the big reason for ice cream's Mm. decline. The trends now, though, are for smaller pints and more premium kind of gourmet flavors, which I feel like is sort of what you're all about. Yeah, and I guess that part makes sense. I I feel like growing up in the 80s and 90s, you'd go to the uh, grocery store and buy those huge gallons of ice cream, right? Those huge, like... Briars or whatever the, the brand was, and now you're buying those smaller pines. So I guess technically this makes sense, though. Again, I take issue with this entire thing. So Jill, as we do here, we looked into the history of ice cream as an American pastime of sorts. 
And it's very interesting to look into this. And fr- frankly, I'd like to do a whole podcast about it. But you can go back to Prohibition. For the first time, ice cream really blew up as like a major thing. So Prohibition was that time period in the early 20th century when America banned booze. And so during that time with alcohol banned, people turned to ice cream. Fun fact, Anheuser-Busch and Yingling started making ice cream. The fat, the sugar, it apparently made a decent substitute for a while while alcohol was illegal. Of course, they would make alcohol legal again, but people still liked ice cream. It continued to be the ultimate comfort food. It was uh, meant to boost morale during World War II. And by the 1950s, with freezers becoming ubiquitous across the country, people got to take home ice cream with them. Jill, I could go on here. Have you heard the story about Baskin Robbins? Which one? (laughs) (laughs) So as a kid, actually, I used to live above Baskin Robbins in Morton Grove, Illinois, but that's not the story here. The uh, interesting story about Baskin Robbins related to all of this. So Baskin Robbins was founded by two guys, Burt Baskin and Irv Robbins. Uh, It eventually gets passed down in the family. Burt Baskin dies in 1967, and then his nephew uh, takes over but starts to move towards health. He uh, was quoted as saying, I was starting to believe that the more ice cream you ate, the more likely you were to have heart disease, diabetes, and obesity. So he walked away from the family business and devoted his attention to plant-based diets and animal rights. So that's sort of the interesting kind of anecdote, uh, asterisk, if you will, to the Baskin-Robbins story. Now, nevertheless, Jill, uh, despite these trends, we should note that ice cream still remains a major sector in the U.S., Uh, Last year alone, the latest stats show that uh, ice cream sales amounted to about $7 billion in the U.S. So uh, take that, Department of Agriculture. (laughs) (laughs) Especially with all of these heat stories. I mean, there really is no better dessert. I mean, I guess you could go with Popsicle. You still got some sugar in there. So just like, go for the gold, folks. You know, I, I uh, you know, some people will try to like the healthy ice creams or the, you know, non-sugar substitute ice creams. So like, if you're going to have the ice cream, just have the ice cream. Just have it in moderation, right? That's my general viewpoint. Not everyone can do that. I'm <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> referring to myself. Moderation, what's that? Well, moderation is an issue. I thought you also meant there's a lot of people who are lactose intolerant. So uh, I understand oh, the, no. the ice cream alternatives <laughs> there as well. All right, staying with history here. Now time for On This Day in History. On This Day in 1902, Jill, happy birthday to the air conditioner. American mechanical engineer Willis Carrier completed drawings for what would become the first modern air conditioner on this day in 1902. On this day in 1918, we head over to Russia when former Russian czar Nicholas II and his family were executed on this day by the Bolsheviks. Nicholas had lots of issues as the last czar, but one of the biggest ones came out of World War I, where Russia had the largest number of deaths about nearly 2 million military deaths, 1.5 million civilian deaths. The food system collapsed in the country. People began to riot. Uh, and at first, Tsar Nicholas refused to abdicate. Finally, he stepped down. He was desperately calling his cousins, his second cousins in the royal families across Europe, including in England. And they're like, nope, not letting you in. So in November of 1917, Bolshevik revolutionaries led by Vladimir Lenin take over the government. And then he was executed on this day a year later. All right, now to some more positive news. On this day in 1955, Disneyland was unveiled during a special live event on ABC. All right, fast forward now to the 90s. This week, 24 years ago, in 1999, John F. Kennedy Jr. died at the age of 38 when his single-engine plane went down off the coast of Martha's Vineyard. The latest tragedy to befall the Kennedy family. 
Though, Jill, oddly enough, there's a whole QAnon theory today that JFK Jr. is still alive and they'll have various rallies uh, where they believe he's spotted. Some of them link him to Trump. It's a bizarre theory that really? still exists that JFK Jr., not unlike theories about Elvis and Tupac, is still around, still alive, and part of some larger secret government cabal. But let's move on from that and end here with pop culture. On this day, 30 years ago, Free Willy premiered in theaters. You might remember that film. There's a plan right now to do something similar for A Whale in Miami right now and release it off the West Coast. And finally, in movie history, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, this week, 18 years ago, Jill, Wedding Crashers premiered in theaters, starring Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn, a a cameo from Will Ferrell, hence... Mom, the meatloaf. <laughs> one of my husband and, I, and my favorite movies, and we quote it all the time. It's one of those comedies from those mid-2000s, you know, like 40-Year-Old Virgin, Wedding Crashers. There were a bunch of them uh, that came out and was still the DVD era. And, you know, I'd watch it repeatedly. And I feel like it's, and if you're in that certain millennial age range, uh, you quote it all the time. Stage five clinger. There's a lot of quotes that came out of that <laughs> yes. that came out of that film. Some appropriate, some less appropriate for this podcast. But yeah, this week, July 2005, Wedding Crashers. Crab cakes and football. That's what Marilyn does, Jill. You know, it's funny because Bradley Cooper was in this movie kind of before right. he became like a heartthrob. He's just that annoying boyfriend. Right. I, met, I mentioned Wilson. I mentioned Vaughn. I mentioned Farrell. Uh, of course, you also had uh, Isla Fisher. Uh, you mentioned Bradley Cooper, Christopher Walken, uh, Jane Seymour is the kind of creepy mom, uh, Rachel McAdams. It's a, it's a solid, solid lineup. And it makes you want to go to a wedding, right? <laughs> All right, Moshe, we've got a wrap. Big thank you to everybody for listening to the Mo News Podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow. Yeah, those reviews matter. We hit 1,000 reviews on Apple. We're looking to hit that on Spotify. Talking to you, Spotify listeners. So thank you very much. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you listen to us on Spotify, you can take a moment to review us. Um, also, a reminder, we have the Mo News Hotline for questions about the news. Give us a call. 1-800-711-MOSH, M-O-S-H. Again, that number is 1-800-711-MOSH. Call us on the line. Tell us your name, your news question. We'll answer it in a future pod. All right, looking forward to hearing from everybody. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.